Chapter Ten of Virgin Soil, Volume One, by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nestanov rose from his place to meet him, while Markelov went straight up to him and, without a bow or a smile, asked him, "Was he Alexey Dmitriev Nestanov, student of the Petersburg University?" "Yes, certainly," answered Nestanov. Markelov pulled an open letter out of his side pocket. In that case, read this, from Vasily Nikolaevich, he added, dropping his voice significantly. Neshtanov unfolded and read the letter. It was something of the nature of a half-official circular, in which the bearer, Sergei Markelov, was recommended as one of us, fully deserving of confidence. There followed, further, an exhortation concerning the urgent necessity of concerted action, and the propaganda of certain principles. The circular was addressed to Neshtanov, among others, also as being a trustworthy person. Nishtanov held out his hand to Markelov, asked him to sit down, and himself dropped into a chair. Markelov began, without a word, by lighting a cigarette. Nishtanov followed his example. "'Have you had time yet to make friends with the peasants here?' Markelov asked at last. "'No, I've not had time yet. "'You've not been here long, then?' "'I shall soon have been here a fortnight. "'Been very busy?' not very markelov coughed grimly hmm. the peasants here are rather a wretched lot he resumed an ignorant lot they want teaching there's great poverty but no one to explain to them what their poverty comes from those who are your brother-in-law's serfs as far as i can judge aren't poor remarked neshtanov my brother-in-law's a humbug he knows how to hoodwink people the peasants about here are no good certainly but he has a factory that's where one must make an effort. One need only stick the spade in there and the whole ant heap will be on the move directly. Have you any books with you? Yes, but not many. I'll let you have some. But how is it you haven't? Nishtanov made no answer. Markelov, too, was silent and only blew the smoke out of his nostrils. What a beast that Kalomietsev is, though, he observed suddenly. At dinner I was thinking of getting up, going up to that worthy, and pounding that impudent face of his to atoms for an example to others but no there's business of more importance just now than slaying kamer yunkers now's not the time to lose one's temper with fools for saying stupid things it's time to prevent them doing stupid things deshtanov nodded his head in confirmation while markelov again puffed away at his cigarette here among all the servants there's one sensible fellow he began again not your servant ivan He's a dull fish, but another one. His name's Kirill. He waits at the sideboard. This Kirill had the character of being a sad drunkard. You notice him, a drunken brute. But we can't afford to be squeamish, you know. And what have you to say of my sister, he added suddenly, raising his head and fixing his yellow eyes on Neshtanov. She's even more of a humbug than my brother-in-law. What do you think of her? I think she's a very agreeable and amiable lady. And moreover, she's very beautiful. Hmm. With what delicate precision you gentlemen from Petersburg express yourselves. I can only admire it. Well, and as regards, he began, but suddenly he scowled, his face darkened, and he did not complete his sentence. I see we must talk things over thoroughly, he began again. We can't do it here. Who the devil can tell? They're listening at the door, I dare say. Do you know what I would suggest? Today's Saturday. Tomorrow, I suppose, you won't give my nephew any lessons, will you? I have a rehearsal of the week's work with him at three tomorrow. 
a rehearsal as if you were on the stage it must be my sister who invents those expressions well it's all the same would you care to come to me at once my place is only eight miles from here i have good horses they fly like the wind you shall stay the night and spend the morning and i'll bring you back tomorrow by three o'clock do you agree by all means said neshtanov ever since markelov's entrance he had been in a state of excitement and embarrassment his sudden intimacy with him confused him at the same time he felt drawn to him he felt he realized that there was before him a person dull very likely but unmistakably honest and strong and then that strange meeting in the copse mariana's unexpected explanation well that's capital cried markelov you get ready meanwhile and i'll go and order the coach to be put to you needn't ask any questions of the heads of the house here i hope i will mention it to them i imagine i couldn't absent myself without i'll tell them said markelov don't you be uneasy they'll be frowning over their cards now they won't notice your absence my brother-in-law aims at becoming a political personage but all he has to back him is that he plays cards splendidly after all though men have made their fortunes that way so you get ready i will make arrangements at once markelov went away and an hour later neshtanov was sitting beside him on a broad leather cushion in a wide roomy very old and very comfortable coach the squat little coachman on the box seat whistled incessantly a wonderfully sweet bird's note the three piebald horses with black plaited manes and tails galloped swiftly along the even road and already swathed in the first shadows of night it struck ten just as they started trees bushes fields plains and ravines advancing and retreating again glided smoothly by markelov's small property it consisted of not more than six hundred acres and yielded about seven hundred roubles of revenue it was called borzionkovo was two miles from the provincial town while Sipyagin's property was six miles from it. To reach Borzionkovo, they had to drive through the town. The new friends had not time to exchange half a hundred words before they caught a glimpse of the wretched little artisans' huts in the outskirts, with tumble-down wooden roofs, with dim patches of light in the warped windows, and then under their wheels they heard the rumble of the stone pavements of the town. The coach rocked, swaying from side to side, and shaken at every jolt, they were carried past the dull stone houses of merchants with two stories and facades churches with columns taverns it was saturday night there were no people in the streets but the taverns were still crowded hoarse voices broke from them drunken songs and the nasal notes of the concertina from doors suddenly opened streamed the filthy warmth the acrid smell of alcohol the red glare of lights before almost every tavern were standing little peasant carts harnessed to shaggy pot-bellied nags they stood with their unkempt heads hanging down submissively and seemed asleep a ragged unbelted peasant in a big winter cap which hung in a bag over his neck would come out of a tavern and his breast propped against the shafts stay motionless feebly fumbling and moving his hands as though looking for something or a wasted factory hand his cap awry and his cotton shirt flying open would take a few irresolute steps barefoot his boots having remained in the tavern stop short scratch his spine and with a sudden groan go back again the russians are slave to drink observed markelov gloomily its sorrow drives him to it sergei mialovitch pronounced the coachman without turning round before each tavern he ceased whistling and seemed to sink into deep thought get on get on responded markelov with a savage tug at his own coat collar 
the coach crossed a wide market-place positively stinking of rush mats and cabbage passed the governor's house with striped sentry boxes at the gates a private house with a turret a promenade set with trees recently planted and already dying a bazaar filled with the barking of dogs and the clanking of chains and gradually reaching the boundaries of the town and overtaking a long long train of wagons which had set off so late for the sake of the cool of the night again emerged into the fresh air of the open country onto the high road planted with willows and again moved on more smoothly and swiftly markelov a few words must be said about him was six years older than his sister madame sipiagin he had been educated in an artillery school which he left as an ensign but just after attaining the rank of a lieutenant he had to retire through a misunderstanding with the commander a german from that time forth he hated germans particularly russian germans his resignation embroiled him with his father whom he scarcely saw again till the day of his death he inherited the little property from him and settled in it in petersburg he had associated frequently with various intellectual and advanced people whom he had positively adored they completely formed his way of thinking markelov had read little and chiefly books relating to the cause herzen in especial he had retained his military habits he lived like a spartan and a monk a few years before he had fallen passionately in love with a girl but she had jilted him in the most unceremonious fashion and had married an adjutant also a german markelov began hating adjutants too he used to try to write articles on the defects of our artillery but he had not the slightest faculty of exposition not a single article could he ever work out to the end and yet he continued to cover large sheets of grey paper with his sprawling illegible childish handwriting markelov was a man obstinate and dauntless to desperation who could neither forgive nor forget forever resenting his own wrongs and the wrongs of all the oppressed and ready for anything his limited intellect went for one point only what he did not understand for him did not exist but he scorned and hated treachery and falseness with people of the higher class with the reacts as he expressed it he was short and even rude with the poor he was simple with a peasant as friendly as with a brother he managed his estate fairly well his head was in a whirl of socialistic plans which he could no more carry out than he could finish his articles on the defects of the artillery as a rule he did not succeed at any time or in anything in the regiment he had been nicknamed the unsuccessful sincere upright a passionate and unhappy nature he was capable at any moment of appearing merciless bloodthirsty of deserving to be called a monster and was equally capable of sacrificing himself without hesitation and without return the coach at the second mile from the town suddenly plunged into the soft gloom of an aspen wood with the whisper and rustle of unseen leaves with the fresh keen forest fragrance with vague patches of light overhead and tangled shadows below the moon had already risen on the horizon red and broad like a copper shield darting out from under the trees the coach faced a small manor house three lighted up windows stood out like shining squares on the face of the low-pitched house which hid the moon's disc the gates stood wide open and seemed as though they were never shut in the courtyard in the half-dark could be seen a high trap with two white hired horses fastened on behind two puppies also white ran out from somewhere and gave vent to piercing but not savage barks people were moving about in the house the coach rolled up to the steps and with some difficulty getting out and feeling with his foot for the iron carriage step put as is usually the case by the local blacksmith in the most inconvenient position markelov said to neshtanov 
here we are at home and you will find guests here whom you know very well but don't at all expect to meet please come in end of chapter 10